This week's show ran a little bit longer than normal, so we cut into two parts for you. I suggest you listen to part one, followed by part two, so you know what the heck we're talking about. Thanks! You're listening to Cash Talk. Episode four. What's that face about? Oh, I thought you... <laughs> I thought no. you were doing the intro that I'm doing. Yeah, you were going it. through the process. Mm-hmm. All right. So today on Cash Talk, Missy's going to be buying me a brand new Lexus, right? Oh my gosh! Yes, I have so much money left after buying that Buick because <laughs> I had planned on spending much more. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, today we will be going through the full process of buying a car the right way to save you thousands of dollars. Mm-hmm. Before I was in finance, I actually sold used cars for a little while, and I know it's a really intimidating process. Like, a lot of times, you don't quite know what to do. You're just told that car dealers are bad, and you're going to get taken advantage of, and you don't really know cars that well because you don't buy that many in your lifetime. So, today is going to be really beneficial because we'll be explaining everything about buying a car from when should you replace your current car, buying versus leasing, what to look for on the test drive. What kind of tactics do the dealers try to get you with? Yes. How do you know how much car you can afford? So on and so forth. This is definitely something that might help you go ahead and purchase a vehicle that's good for you. That's not going to break your bank. So you are probably you probably fit in one of these three categories. You're either looking for your first car. You're looking for a car to replace, you know, a total vehicle that you have or a vehicle that just doesn't operate anymore. Um, Or you're looking to upgrade your vehicle. Mm -hmm. Let's say you've been driving the same car around for a little while. Maybe you have a sedan and you've just recently had your third or fourth child and it's time for a third row seater. The car is getting a little expensive to repair and you don't quite know how much car you can afford or what you should do next. The first rule of thumb I always suggest... Keeping your current car is always cheaper than buying a new one. So Oh, for sure. Mm-hmm. I still think about my old Honda and was like, it's fine. What was I thinking? It was an affordable car, but you know, it's that, that you drive past those lots all the time and you see the shiny car sitting there with the balloons and the gorilla and whatnot. So true. you got to pop in. Plus you get to a certain year and you have to start putting, I think I just put 1200 in my car mm-hmm. to fix some of the... I'm going to say a part incorrectly, so I'm just going to leave it at chains. <laughs> Some of the so, chains. So, like, there was pipes and stuff in there and, mm-hmm. and things that... Things that go from... Yes, and so I had to spend a ton of money replacing it, and I was thinking, am I going to have to do this again in a few months, or is it time to... Should I go ahead and trade this in before it's a pile of junk? What mm-hmm. should I do? Um, My big suggestion, if you're not quite sure if your car has taken enough repairs to still be worth it, is leave maintenance out of this question. So like your oil changes, brake pads, tires, things like that, don't factor that into this equation. But think of repairs. Are you having to repair like your power steering motor, a water pump, things like that? Add all those up for one year, all the repairs you're making, and divide it by 12. That's smart. If you def- if you find that it's costing over the course of a year three or $400 a month to repair your car then it might be worth getting a new one because that's about what you'd pay for a car payment that yes. would not have one. With the, Yes, definitely. Wouldn't have all these repairs. And if you're in a situation where you can pay cash, then obviously you won't have to worry about the car payment part, but you still want to at least use that as a guideline so yes. you can understand you know, if your car's still worth it. A lot of people will suggest if your car is requiring more 
in repairs than it's worth, but I like to look at that and see, well, is it doing this every year or is it just this one year a lot of repairs hit? Mm-hmm. So yes. It's just something to think about. Definitely. That's, I think that's really smart. I, I like the divided by 12 thing that I never thought about that, actually. Mm-hmm. So buying versus leasing, uh, what are the pros and cons of each? Best summary I would give without getting too deep in this subject is leasing will offer a lower payment. They will say, we can get you in this $20,000 car for $199 a month. But if you were to try to get a loan at with no money down, that's probably going to be $300 or more or something yes, like exactly. that. Essentially what you're doing is the leasing company is determining, here's how much you think the car is going to depreciate from the sticker price to the time that you return this car in 36 months. And let's say we think that it's going to depreciate $5,000 in that time frame. So with their own fees and whatnot factored in, over the course of 36, month, 36 months, your payment would be like about $140. So that's why it's lower. But you have to remember at the end of that term, at the end of the 36 months, you have to return the car back to them. Yes. Mm-hmm. There's things that also come into play, such as mileage caps. You can only drive so many miles per year. Often it's about 12000 There's also a big down payment in- Mm-hmm. When you get those, there's also, they take that into consideration too. If you notice, it'll say you can get this Jaguar for two ninety nine a month, but it comes with 4800 cash down at signing. Yes. And that's, it. and that's assuming you have amazing credit. That's mm-hmm. assuming, it's assuming those two things and what he was talking about with the depreciation. And I didn't know that about it. That's, I mean, it makes sense why you get, why you get the payment so low. And while your monthly payment will be low, you get a new car every year, but you don't, I mean, you don't get the equity of owning a car, yeah, but you, you do get, get a new car. car every year if you're willing to put that kind of money towards it. And that's, that's exactly what it is. You do get the new car every couple of years, but also to bounce off what Missy mentioned, where they said, you know, you need $4,000 down, keep that in mind when you give that car back up in three years. Exactly. If you lease another car, you're going to need $4,000 down again. Yes. Which I don't have 4000 sitting around left and right every three years to go towards a car mm-hmm. yeah exactly so that's that's really the summary of the difference now if you do purchase a car it is going to have higher monthly payments but when you pay that car off it is your car mm-hmm. you can sell it you can drive as much as you want it can get beat up leases will a lot of times if you have a car that gets some additional wear and tear or like the t- the tires mm-hmm. wear down before the lease is over you have to replace these things and bring the car back to like new condition Otherwise, you pay yes, penalties. Yes, with your own car, you don't have any of that. No, no, and, and you, you know, when you turn in a lease vehicle, you do have the option to buy it. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of people, from what I see, a lot of people will buy their leases, but because they've put so much of their own wear and tear in it, and I'm sure they don't want to pay those. But a lot of times, when you do that, just because you've put four thousand down and you've been paying that low payment every month. You're going to be paying close to what you would have been paying when you first bought it. If this Mm -hmm. is a $14,000 vehicle and you've been paying on it for 36 months and you put $4,000 down on it and you've been paying on it, you know, religiously for months and you would think that would be down at least the $4,000 and maybe another few thousand because you've had it for a few years, you'll find that you're going to be buying it back maybe $12,000, which Mm -hmm. is just below... Because that low payment and everything, it got you what you needed. But when you go to buy it, that's not that's not the purpose of a lease. Right. So, and I don't endorse this idea. It's just a way to justify the idea. 
sometimes people consider leasing a vehicle because they want to try the car out for a couple of years and they don't know if they want to actually keep this type of car. Mm-hmm. Like yes. there's certain models I know to be a little more unreliable than others and I really like the car. So maybe I want to consider leasing it, driving around, seeing what I think about it and then maybe I'll buy it at the end. Yes. I don't endorse that because you're still essentially throwing money away to rent a car. But nonetheless. That's kind of exactly what it is, renting a car. That's ex- mm-hmm. I mean, because if those of you who have ever rented a car, it's low. You can rent mm-hmm. a car really low. So that's that. New versus used. Both of us have bought new cars. I can only speak for myself, but I would never buy a new car again. Not for the reasons that people probably think, though. Dun, dun, dun. I know. <laughs> Need the Law & Order theme. You hear, and everybody knows, when you buy a car, you dr- a brand new car, when you buy a brand new car and you drive it off the lot, it loses 20% of its value or whatever number sounds buzzy. What that essentially is, let's say you buy a $20,000 car. The car is worth $20,000 for the first owner when you leave with it. If you drive down to the gas station, say, you know what, I hate this car, and you drive back to the dealership, they're only going to give you trade-in value from that point. Why would anybody pay $20,000 for your now used car when they could pay $20,000 for a brand new car with a brand new warranty? That's why the Mm -hmm. determination of it losing value comes in. It's considered previously titled. So, Mm -hmm. yes, that's – and it's semantics, really. That that kind of stinks because you just drove it down to the gas station and back, and here it is. But they can't sell it as a new car anymore. Newer cars do lose value faster than older cars. You usually lose about 40 to 60% of its value in the first five or six years of ownership. The pros of new cars, I would probably say, is you do get a car that you know its entire history. It's true. That's you don't true. know. You don't have to worry about if this car has been wrecked, if it's been flooded, if there's been damages that's been concealed or maintenance that's been yes, skipped. Maintenance, for, mm-hmm. sh- for sure. I mean, if it's just you that's only had that vehicle, it's so nice. You know that it's already been taken care of because it's brand new. It's right off the, mm-hmm. right out of the packaging. Yeah, you know exactly what's happened with it. The benefit of a used car is essentially you get a vehicle that has maybe a few more miles, a little bit of wear and tear, but it's substantially cheaper. My car MSRP brand new is twenty five thousand, which I pay a little bit less than that. If I was to sell it today, it's I think worth about sixteen currently. So somebody buying the car today would pay 16000 or $9,000 less than a car for the same car that I paid $9,000 more for just a couple of years ago. That's true. It's the That's exact true. same car. It's reminding me. It's reminding me of when I got mine. Uh, and and because, of, because of me hearing it year after year after year by everybody saying that when you buy a new vehicle – you lose the value. I um, traded in my vehicle and I put some cash down so that I'd kind of be even. And it was also more than I've spent on a vehicle. So I kind of wanted, I wanted to, I didn't want to be so high up for my previous um, vehicle. And I wanted to keep the same payment yes. or close to what I've been paying mm-hmm. before. Cause I didn't want to get crazy, but I, uh, but I wanted a new car. Everybody wants the new car smell, oh. the new, I mean, it's, it, it is wonderful. It, is. it really is. But if you're if you're ready for it is mm-hmm. the thing. Now, a new I'll car is serious. My new car, I love I love my car. My car is great. You know when you buy a car, it's great. It's fantastic. You love this vehicle. You show all your friends and family, and then a couple years later, you don't quite love it as much. Other cars start <laughs> catching true. your eye. 
You're like, ooh, maybe I could get this car or that car. You see other cars that you want with other features that your car doesn't have. When I first bought it, it felt all those things. It felt like this is a great car. This is the best car I could have possibly spent my money on. And just like any car I've ever had, a couple years later, it began to age. Dings started showing up. Scratches started coming up. Every car you've had, nice cars or not so nice cars, you've been excited when you first bought it. Yes. This car is great. I spent a lot of money for a car that now that I've had a couple years, although it was brand new, it feels like any other car I've ever had in my life. But since it's depreciating, it doesn't make sense to just get rid of it and buy another car. So that's why I don't necessarily love new cars and I wouldn't quite buy another one. So you decided you want to buy a new car. What do you look for in a car, Missy? Well, um, I have two kids, so I mean, I I, I can't get the coupes. Mm. I mean, nobody likes to pull that backseat back, and so of course I look for sedans or something that's that's going to fit them. My next purchase is going to be an SUV because my kids are getting older, unfortunately, and so they're going to need something to accommodate them. So uh, that's I look for reliability. I uh, when I got my first vehicle, I took a page of Consumer Reports vehicles, <laughs> and I said, "These are the ones I want. Don't show me these other vehicles because I ain't got that kind of time." Mm-hmm. So I look for reliability uh, among anything because when I get a vehicle, I'd like to keep it for a little bit. I'd love to be one of those people that lease something cute and then the next year get something cute. I, I just I need practical and reliable. Mm-hmm. That's fair. And cute, though, too. Oh, cute's important. I'm not trying to get ugly. No. I'm not trying to get ugly reliability. Mm-mm. You can be reliable and pretty. You can be. When I look for a car, I think things that are important to me personally, I like sunroofs. I like a nice oh, yeah. stereo. Mm-hmm. I prefer a two-door car. I you, Listen, I do, too. They're gorgeous. <laughs> they are. They're, they're great. I, I like a good two-door car. Um, I keep saying I'm going to buy a manual transmission. I never quite do, but... These are things that you should be thinking whenever you're looking for a car. What what do you want out of your next car? What do you like from your current car? Yes. Be honest with yourself on this, too. Mm-hmm. Because any any car, no matter what make or model you get, is pretty. Mm-hmm. You get the newest version of anything, and it's going to be pretty. But pretty does, as Adrian was saying earlier, pretty does wear off. You if you if you if that wasn't one of the things that was the most important to you, then it will become even less important to you. So definitely, if you are if one of your um, if one of the things you're looking for is you want a roomy car, find a roomy car. Don't just don't buy a vehicle because you thought it was cute, but it's not really mm-hmm. that roomy, but it's cute. You already skipped over one of your you know one of your bullet points. Yeah, that that's that's a good thing. Make a, a bullet point of every thing that's important to you things that you need to have in a car and things that you want in a car yes you're paying for this stick mm-hmm. stick to it stick yeah. to it prioritize what's a need and a want adrian needs a car that gets decent gas mileage adrian wants a car that has leather seat so that's important whenever you are searching also keep in mind of gas mileage miles per gallon I will state from my pre- previous experience in sales, you will not find that a car that gets 28 miles to the gallon will feel like it is losing compared to a car that gets 30 miles to a gallon. So yeah. if the numbers are close, don't split hairs. Exactly. Keep in mind, you don't want to buy a car thinking, well, I've had this one, it was nice, and then I got get this next one, it turns out it's really thirsty and I can't afford to fill mm-hmm. it up. Exactly. And if you're uh, and have realistic expectations. If you, you know, let's say you've always owned um let's say you've always owned cars and now you're going to go to a truck. 
or like me, I've always owned cars and I'm wanting to go in an SUV. Mm-hmm. Before I actually go to one, I, I would like to drive one. I would like to see if this is something for me, something that's realistic. I um, When I'd gotten my wreck about a year ago, I drove a really, really big Tahoe. And I felt like I was driving a tank. And I like Tahoes. Uh, I really felt like a baller. And I really, I was like, that's right, move out of my way. <laughs> but I'm going to tell you, when it comes time to park it, I, I was afraid to go in any place that didn't have parking that I could just like pull it. It was just, it, it, I, as much as I loved that car, it was too much for me. It was, mm-hmm. the, I, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. My daughter was like, is this your new car? And I was like, for now, until I get my, but it, it um, it uh, it was very difficult to get around like I'm used to, and I had it for about a week, so it was enough time to really get used to it. But even at the end of the week, it was easier than before. But it just still felt so it felt so bulky, it felt huge, and and it wasn't it wasn't really that comfortable for right. me to drive. So I, I come to the realization that when I get an SUV, it's not going to be that size. Mm-hmm. But you also need to understand that because during that time, you know, I filled it up, so I knew how much gas it was taking, so I knew all that kind of stuff. And if you're ready for it, then do it. But I can't tell you how many applications I get where people are looking for just a cheapy two, three thousand dollar car. Now here you're gonna, you're going to kind of be stuck with two payments. Yeah, because I know people they'll buy a second car just to drive to and from work, and then they have their truck or their SUV or whatever to, you know, do weekend events with. Exactly. With family, exactly. Which gas prices are low right now, so it's not a big burden. But want to make sure you can afford to fill up this car you're buying. Definitely know what you're getting into. This is your this is your vehicle. Yeah, you're spending money on this. Thing. It's your money. It's not the car dealership's money. It's in their interest to to get that car off the lot. Mm-hmm. Not that they don't care. I don't want to make it seem like they don't care, but that's their interest. That's their business. Mm-hmm. I strongly advise before you purchase any car, get insurance quotes. Call your agent. See how much is this car going to cost to insure? Because you might be surprised. Maybe your insurance is going to go down from the car you had before. Or maybe it's going to go staggeringly up. Mine was the latter. In my case, my car was was a new, brand new car wrecked in less than a year. Totaled in less than a year. So that insurance company was like, listen, we're going to be charging you a bunch because if something happens in the first year, we're going to be forking over a lot of money. I know my insurance company had to fork over like 19000 mm-hmm. no, 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 I think it was like 21000 So... And you have to remember, even if, like, Missy's car was totaled, but let's say you go to the grocery store and somebody, you know, knocks your bumper off when they leave. There's not mm-hmm. a lot of those bumpers being made because the car is very new. So the ones that exist are going to be sold at a premium. They're mm-hmm. going to be more expensive, so yes. it's going to cost the insurance company more money. So newer cars, they don't always come with higher insurance rates, but a lot of times you might find that out. So we'll always get... Get an idea of what you're looking for. That's that's smart. I, I agree with that for sure. With your because that goes with your monthly payment. If your budget is three fifty a month, and you buy a vehicle that's two fifty, and you're thinking, oh yay, I'm under budget, but your insurance is one hundred fifty a month, you're actually over. Mm-hmm. Yep, essentially, four hundred total for that car. That's a great point in itself. When you decide you want to buy another car and you're going to finance this car. Kind of figure out how much you think you can afford. And before you ever visit any dealer or talk to any car salesman, go to your banker credit union first. Sit down with them. See how much car you can afford. Find out Mm -hmm. what your interest rate would be. Find out what your payments would be. 
they'll give you an idea what kind of budget you should be in. Another reason I strongly advocate to do that is whenever you go to a car dealer, you'll walk the lot with them, they'll show you some cars, and it won't take long before they ask you, how much did you want to pay per month for a car? The reason uh, they're asking yes. that is so you can say, I'll pay $300 a month. And then they'll say, all right, so 300 350 something like that. And you may say, yeah, I think I could do 350 for the right car. They bumped you up $50 a month right off the top. Deeper down that conversation you don't realize is now they've got you focused on the payment. Before you ever realize how much this car is costing out the door, mm-hmm. how many accessories are being added, if they've added a warranty, how, what your interest rate's going to be, as long as it fits that $350 a month or less payment that you said you can afford, you'll buy the car. You'll drive off with it and they'll take the sale and you don't quite know what you paid. Exactly. If you come with your own financing up front, you know this is how much I have. I can't afford this car or any car on the lot that fits this criteria and I don't have to worry about getting a low rate or getting a, a long term or whatever they might do. I can afford this. That's that's a that's an excellent point because that's actually how I bought my first um, vehicle and I wished that I had bought my second and really third third <laughs> and current um, vehicle. I wish I'd done it that way. But if you show all your your cards, yes, if you show them up front. Yes. They know what you're playing with. That's a, they're like, well, we can we can get this to you for that, or or they might go even a couple hundred above that, and you're like, well, that's not bad. A couple yeah, hundred's not enough. bad. Flipping the script, whenever you're talking to your lender. There are certain situations that you may that you need to be thinking about before you go there, such as how much do you think you can afford per month? Do you have cash saved up for a down payment? Do you have a co-signer? When I got my first auto loan, um, the credit union I went to asked if I had a co-signer. When a financial institution asks you for a co-signer, they're looking for someone with stronger credit, but they're looking for someone with positive credit, someone who has several, said several autos, several credit cards, several different types of credit, mm-hmm. and that they can take on this auto payment by themselves. So if this is a very high payment, it's not maybe not high for you because it's your only you know it's your only debt, but it's one of fifteen of theirs. Right? Can they take on this extra debt if they can? If they more than can take on the extra debt, then they're uh, certainly a good co-signer. If you but if you've asked someone who can just barely afford that payment on their own, if you don't pay, they may not be able to either. Mm-hmm. So that's not a that's not a good co-signer, but a co-signer that is desirable is someone who not only has strong credit but can but can afford the payment themselves right yeah as we mentioned in last week's listener question essentially if a lender is asking for a co-signer they're saying that like you seem qualifiable for the loan but there's something that isn't quite connecting maybe your credit isn't there's not a lot of credit history your job time's not that great they want somebody on the loan to help mitigate the risk kind of show well a little bit of stability yeah Somebody who can, they've shown already, hey, I can do this and I can handle this. Yes. So you may come across that as a first-time buyer. Maybe you find that lenders are asking for a cosign. So, yeah, let, let's say that that's what's happening. You've decided I can afford this particular car. I have an approval check in my hand. The lender just said, come with the car. We'll write you a check. What happens next? My suggestion as a former car salesman and a lifelong car enthusiast is use the Internet. Go online, find some forums. There's one for everything. See what yep. they say about that particular car. See if they say if one particular year is better than another, 
what kind of issues come up a lot with that vehicle, maybe some maintenance mm-hmm. things that you need mm-hmm. to be aware of. I did this with Adrian. Adrian is my internet. When I got my <laughs> previous car, I was like, I said, what about this? And like, he knew right away. He's like, well, in 2014, this was, like, this was he, knew right away. he knew right away. But that's serious stuff. I'll use my previous car as a very sad example. So my last car was an 03 Honda Accord. It was a great car. Don't say that because mine was an 03 Honda Accord. Yours was a four-cylinder, right? Yeah. Mine was a V6, and this is where my conversation's going. Mine was a V6, and the V6 engine was a little strong for the transmission for that particular year. So it put a lot of strain on the transmission and would cause them to fail. Mine failed at 70,000 miles. If I bought a 2004... Or if I'd bought a four-cylinder 2003, my car would be just fine. But that was a manufacturing fluke. So that's one of those things you'll find out when you look online. You'll see this is a recurring issue with this particular car. Which is another good reason to get a used used vehicle. People already know about Mm -hmm. it. Yeah, things have been figured out. that's, That's smart. Do you have cash? Do you have cash saved up for this? Any decision that you make when it comes to spending this kind of money, no matter really no matter how much money you're spending... Is this something you thought of on Monday and you're trying to get a car on Tuesday? Mm-hmm. No. You, this is uh, buying a new car, regardless of you know how old or new it is, should be a decision that you've thought of. Absolutely. And you've said, I, I need a car. Uh, this car is starting to act up, so I can see myself needing one probably in the next year. Which means next paycheck, start saving. Mm-hmm. You start saving for that vehicle because... You don't have any credit, and you need to, like I had said um, previously, you need to, lenders need to know what you're bringing to the table. Right. The so cash, for sure, all speaks volumes. My, my favorite tip to kind of get started, especially if you think you're going to be getting a car loan soon, is guess what you think your payment will be. Do you think you'll be paying $200 a month, $300 a month? Start saving that every month. Yes, that's... Save $300 a month, put it aside... A, it tells you you can save this money and you can make this payment every month. I don't have to think twice about it. But also at the end of a couple of months, you have a few thousand dollars down. That is so – that is the smartest thing. I, I have not – that's an excellent idea. I mean because it truly really, – when you're making a payment after never having to make, an, a, pay, make a payment, that's mm-hmm. very difficult. It even hurts. if it's Even if it's just like 200 If you've never paid $200 a month on something, mm-hmm. that's – $200, that's $200 every month. Yes, exactly. So I think that's that's super smart because you're saving your money. And, you know, and if you save up $200, you know, within a year, what's that, $2,400? <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> oh, that's horrible. Um, I have calculators to do my math for me. Mm-hmm. I cannot do a lot of things manually unless it's percentage off clothing <laughs> um, <laughs> or purses. So it. I mean, you spent that's twenty four hundred dollars that goes towards your first vehicle, and mm-hmm. and unless you're unless you're financing a fifty thousand dollar vehicle, that's a pretty good chunk of change. Yeah, if you're looking at a ten thousand dollar vehicle, that's almost twenty five percent. You know, so that's that's really excellent. And think of it this way: um, the reason why the lender wants money down isn't because they want your money. Let's look at it in a different light. Let's say that your sister. You know, pay a little bit. She wants you to. She wants to borrow money from you to buy a TV. That's what she wants. She wants to buy a five hundred dollar TV because she needs one for her house. That's the best deal she could find, and she wants to borrow the money from you. If you're giving her all five hundred dollars and she gets the TV and gets to go home and enjoy it, you might be a little apprehensive. 
But if she says, hey, I have $200, can I borrow the other 300 from you and I'll pay you back every month till I give you your $300, give you your $300 back, you might be more lenient. You might say, well, she's shown okay, that... Okay, she really does want this, mm-hmm. this TV. Yeah, and she, she put some money forward because she's serious about it. Yes. The lender's thinking the exact same way. How exactly. much risk, like how worried are they, how worried should they be about not getting their money back? The investment that you make towards your vehicle is the investment you're going to make while you have your vehicle. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you got, number one, you've saved up cash. Let's say, let's say you have. Let's say you've saved up cash. Next next thing you need to worry about is, okay, I found this vehicle. I've been looking at one that was, you know, 15000 and I've saved up 2400 to go towards it. Now, can I afford this payment? Is mm-hmm. this going to be something that, um, because like Adrian was talking about earlier, when you go to a dealership, they don't they don't focus much on the balance just on your payment right so with you putting this cash into it and you making sure that you're at comfortable payment you've covered all your bases mm-hmm. you've covered how much you're paying back how much you're paying monthly and the cash down you have towards it right right there is a entire world of people who are upside down in their car loan what that means is they owe more on the car than the car's worth why that's bad is Missy as an example. She wasn't upside down, thankfully, and you had gap insurance, which is great too. Mm-hmm. But she was driving home one day, and a car ran a red light. Is that yes. correct? Yeah. Ran a red light, hit your car. It was not your fault. It was the other person's fault, but your car was total. Oh, you're making me sad. <laughs> <laughs> if you were upside down on that car and you owed more money than the car was worth, the insurance company is only going to pay up to the car's value. Let's say that's $15,000, and Missy owed $17,000. She has no car, plus she owes $2,000 to pay that car off. Yes. So putting money down changes that equation. It makes it so you have some equity in the vehicle. If something does happen, or you decide you want to sell the car, somebody hits your car, weather comes through, a tree falls on your vehicle, or hail damage or something, whatever happens... You have equity so that you're not having to come out money suddenly for a car that you can no longer enjoy. That's not only is it an investment towards your vehicle, but this is an, this is a um, it's an investment towards what could possibly happen to your vehicle. You, I mean, this was and this was less than a year after I uh, I bought the vehicle. So, I mean, there's a reason why they're called accidents. Mm-hmm. They're not purposefuls. I tell, <laughs> I tell this to Natalie all the time. You you didn't expect it to happen. I was getting coffee. I was getting coffee and then going home. And that was just supposed to be a routine thing, and that was it. Mm-hmm. And I didn't expect it to happen. And a lot of t- nowadays, a lot of newer cars are um, are totaled out quite often. Right. Very few times have I seen people have their entire bumper taken off or something like that. And it, they're like, well, we're going to put a new bumper. No, they want to replace the whole thing. The insurance doesn't think it's worth it. Yeah, newer cars, they have uh, what's called crumple zones. Essentially... Whenever you let's go laws of physics. Whenever you hit something, energy is absorbed. It lets the car Look take at you root. laws of physics. <laughs> it lets the, the car take the brunt of the impact, and it keeps it off of the people inside the vehicle. So therefore, more components get damaged a lot faster, but it keeps you safer. Wow, I learned something just now. Mm-hmm. Gosh, very true. I mean, makes sense. So you know, if you don't have, and you know, okay, but what if you're one of those people that says, okay, well, my car's overvalued, but I bought Gap. Is that still a bad thing? Gap, I endorse Gap. Gap is good. I agree. The 
area about gap that can get a little gray is how overvalued are you? Gap, usually what it is, guaranteed asset protection is what it stands for. It is a server, a product you can buy from the lender, and it can cover you up to 150% of the value of the vehicle. So, rough math, if the car is worth $10,000 and you owe 14000 that's 140%. Mm-hmm. So you would be covered up to 140%, so you don't have to come out the money that Missy hypothetically could have if she was upside down. Yes. I endorse it if you're not putting any money down or you're putting maybe a couple thousand dollars down and you still are at like 90% on the loan or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's good to have. It doesn't save you. If you're going to be tens of thousands of dollars upside down this car, like I know some people will drive a car, the car depreciates, they owe more on it than it's worth, they trade it in, they find some lender willing to take what they owe, put on their new car. It's not going to cover you that deeply if you start mm-hmm. stacking lots of money on a car that just can't Yes, the that vehicle is the one that will get in a wreck too and you will be out quite mm-hmm. quite a lot. And you know, and Gap really only covers you if you're someone who can make that payment every month. One of the um, one of the caveats there is if you do not, I think they don't cover more than 2 months of missed payments. Right. If you if you have not paid the vehicle well, you realize, wow, I was in over my head buying that vehicle. You know, but you're making the payment. You just you're having a hard time, and then and then you get in a wreck you, because of uh, amortization. Mm-hmm. You you have to pay the payment when it is due. Otherwise, the the fees and the interest that's occurred that's extra for Gap to pay, and they they don't want to pay the extra the any more than the two months difference. Yeah, you don't have to be currently past due, but if you have been in the life of the loan, they they may or may not do they it. Might be hesitant to look at it a different way. Your vehicle is losing value every month, but you didn't take that loan balance down for two or three or four months or whatever time period that mm-hmm. was. Exactly. So they're paying more. Plain as day. And, and I think that they also see it as, you know, if you had made those two $500 payments, your balance would have been $1,000 less. Mm-hmm. And chances are you wouldn't, you wouldn't be as over. So they're saying, well, you know, you probably could pay this down if you had made those payments like you should have, right. you know, if you weren't past due, if you, because you know, if you, if you're really past due and, you know, let's say you got your vehicle at a high interest rate, was it added on, like all that added on to your loan. Gets expensive. That just, yeah. So it, it gap is, isn't always, isn't always mm-hmm. a guarantee. It's a good thing, but you have to do your part. You can't, you can't wait on it to bail you out. So you're going down to the car lot. You picked out a car you want to buy and you are checking out a vehicle. You've talked to the dealer car looks nice what should you be looking for first a bit of advice i would give is to remember that that particular car you're looking at is probably one of one hundred thousand of that same car Mm -hmm. that year alone it's a commodity it's not something that's special or unique no matter how much you like it don't think that you can't find another exactly don't think that this wound vehicle is the one feel free to shop look around I mean, he's completely right. If you if you find a vehicle and it's gorgeous and you love it, same color, everything, but it's not, they're not giving you the price you want, go somewhere else. Right, absolutely. I'll give you a couple insider secrets from the car world. Um, Ooh, excited. Some good stuff here. I'm excited. So car dealers only turn over about 3% of their inventory per day, which means that 3% of the cars on the lot, they'll probably sell that day. 90 there's a 97 percent chance that the car you see today is going to be for sale tomorrow so the dealer might try to give you a sense of urgency and they might try to say if you don't buy this car today it's not going to be here tomorrow 
That's not necessarily true. Math is on your side. That car will be sitting there tomorrow. What I suggest is whenever you narrow down a couple cars you want to look at, go down there, meet your salesperson, say, Hi, I want to check out these cars. I do not intend to buy today. I'm just here to take a look at the car, see if it fits what I'm looking for. But when I'm ready to buy, I'll call you, and I'll let you know, and I'll work with you. The salespeople work off commissions, so they want that loyalty. But you've told them up front, you're not acting off your emotion. You're not sitting in this car, touching Mm -hmm. the steering wheel, driving down the street, and writing a huge check at the end of the day. You're going to go home and think about it. It it, It does matter how you present yourself. When I was getting my new Honda, I knew exactly what I was getting. Walked in there, already knew what I was getting. I said, that's what I'm getting done because I knew this is exactly what I wanted. I wanted a newer version of what I currently had. So I walked in there, told them this is what I was doing. Already looked online, looked at several places, went there, done. Mm-hmm. So I presented them that way. And so when I sat down, they were they brought me a deal. They were ready to go. And you knew what to pay roughly because you looked it up online yes. also. Yes, yes. There's so much information online. Like I said earlier, cars, there's 100,000 of that one made that year. 100,000 of that car and every other car on the face of the earth is all online. Go on there, see what people have said, see what the cars are worth, see what you should or shouldn't be paying. Everything is online, so check it out. You're test driving the car. What kind of things should you be looking for? You should have been in the car with me when I was test driving. (laughs) (laughs) Because this this is a really good list. I know it's going to shock some of y'all. So, I'll go with the most shocking first, because it's my favorite, and then we'll go with everything else. (laughs) Trick question, Missy. Do you know how to tell if a check engine light's been disabled? I do not, Adrian. Mm-hmm. Somebody would disable their check engine light because it's on and they don't know what the issue is. Or they do know what the issue is and it's expensive and they don't want to deal with it. They just want to sell the car and move on. What a lot of people that's will do. That's horrible. First, mm-hmm. first of all, that's horrible. Yeah. Especially it, coming from Honest Bob's used cars. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. The easiest way to check it, all you have to do to disable one really is kind of go under the dash and mess with a few wires and boom, it's off. Easiest way to check is when you're turning your car on, before you actually reach the point where the engine starts, it stops at that one point where you know the air conditioning can run and the radio will come on. All the lights on the gauge come on. Watch them. If one doesn't light up, it might not be working. Oh my god! The check engine light will stay on because it's saying the engine's not running, but if it's off and the engine's off, that's a big warning sign itself. Oh my gosh. Serious stuff. So check that out. Um, try to avoid a car that's been running already. Try to be the first person to start the car that day. A car that's been running, the engine's warmed up. A lot of issues will be. How do you? Know, mm-hmm. How would you? How can you do that though? You know, walk up to a car and say, "This is warm, moving on." Okay, what no. do you do? How? What? What do you? If you? If? If I am getting a car and I remember your list, mm-hmm. and I say, "Well, this car seems like it's probably been run before." Can you ask them that? Can you ask them to move on to another car? What do you do? If you don't like the confrontation, look at the temperature gauge on the engine. If it's, you know, sitting in the mid-range, that car's been on for a little while. If it's still on Hmm. C, it's cold. I buy a lot of cars from individuals, myself, so a lot of times I'll offer to meet them at their house or somewhere very, very, very close to their house, so they haven't had a lot of time to move the car and leave it running. But if it's been running... It's not a necessarily bad thing. Just kind of keep in mind there might be some issues that may or may not be showing themselves right now because the engine's warmed up wow. and smoked out. Turn the stereo off. 
you want to jam. I like music. I said earlier in the show, <laughs> that's a priority for me. But your radio will cover up a lot of the squeaks. It will cover up a lot of the a lot of the weird noises that your car might be making. And if you're going to spend ten plus thousand dollars on this vehicle, you want to make sure there's no issues. Get some miles on that car. Drive it slow. Drive it fast. Take it on the highway. Take it on roads you normally drive on. Get a feel for the car. See how it reacts in the life that you're in. Check out some things like how the car cycles through gears. When you come to a stop and you accelerate, does it accelerate smoothly? Does it kind of hesitate? It seemed like it stays in one gear. Mm-hmm. I, I've had that. Does it linger? Like that. That's really smart, too. I don't think anybody really pays attention to that. That was one of the things that I noticed about my car that I really liked about it was the acceleration on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's one of the positive I can positives I can say on my car. I really like it. Uh, it. And that was one of the first things I noticed. But I think it's because I've had previous vehicles where... I had to listen because the it would slip. Yeah. It would, the gears would slip a lot. So I, I had to keep an ear out for that. And but that's a smart That's smart. That's a, a great jumping point in itself is if you don't know how to fix something on the car, walk away from it. I've had a friend before who bought a car that had a slipping transmission. The person who sold it to him said, oh, well, you just need to put the solution in it and it'll fix it. Uh, oh, First gosh. Off, oh, there's no solution. Oh, gosh. Yeah. First, my, my, my first qualm with that, that sentence. That gave me heartburn. Mm-hmm. If it is a quick fix, if it's, you know, a $25 part like you see on Craigslist or wherever a lot, it's a real easy thing to do. Why not? Why didn't the seller do that and sell a car with no problems? Is my first question. Mm-hmm. Exactly. My second question is if you don't know how to fix this issue, do you think it's going to change once you own the car? The car has a sleeping transmission. The car idles rough window motor doesn't work when you leave it still doesn't work can you fix this thing kind of take a look at the body see if there's any scratches also kind of see if there's any discoloration as a door not quite match the others that might be proof that a door has been replaced before mm-hmm. yes is the body straight if it got some waviness to it then there may be signs of an accident before little things you should be checking out now on on that i um and and just about every financial institution will do this for you. You know, if you're looking at this vehicle, and it, it seems, to, seems to be pretty nice. might have a couple of dings here and there, but it's a really good price mm-hmm. and, and with respect to its value. And you're thinking, okay, are they just wanting to get this off the lot? Why are they, why are they charging so much less? Or, or if you've, you know, gone through that list that Adrian just said and everything seems to be okay, but you might still be just a little bit leery, one of the things you can do is call your financial institution, ask them about the value of this vehicle, yes. let them know all of the all of the th- and you can do this as you're standing there in front of the vehicle. This is the vehicle that you are buying. You are allowed to do all this stuff, mm-hmm. you know. And um, take a look at the VIN, take a look at the vehicle identification number. It's usually etched in right at the uh, windshield. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you don't see it there, I think it's inside the car door or something. It is. It's a windshield, door jam. There's a few places. I think there's about 17 or 20 places on a car that the VIN's actually stamped. Wow. Wow. Most of them you can't get to, but. You can, you can, um, you know, you can say, I want to make sure that this car is great before I go any further. Because if you go really far and you're down to the, where you're about to fund this loan and you find out 